Welcome to the Sermon Podcast for First St. Charles United Methodist Church in downtown St. Charles, Missouri. We are so glad that you're here, and it's our prayer that you feel safe, welcome, and wanted in this space. If you're interested in finding out more about us or supporting our ministries, you can connect with us online at firststcharlesumc.org. Today's scripture comes from the first book of Peter, chapter 2. Come to him, a living stone, though rejected by mortals, yet chosen and precious in God's sight. And like living stones, let yourselves be built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. This is God's word living and growing in us. Glory be to God. Ping, ping, ping. It was the sound of hammer hitting chisel, biting into stone. Ping, ping, ping. It was an incessant, ubiquitous sound, approaching music, perhaps. Ping, ping, ping. With the occasional thwack as the stone split along predetermined lines of the laborer's intent. Ping, ping, ping. Is that the sound that sang, rang in Jesus' soul growing up? In our English-speaking world, we've cast Jesus' father, Joseph, as a carpenter. But scholars now pretty much agree we got it wrong. The image of Joseph and little Jesus in a workshop building furniture might be forever fixed in our romantic hearts. Or for that matter, if you just go down the street to St. Joseph's Hospital, there you'll see a statue of Joseph, a woodworking tool in hand. But we've mistranslated the word. I hope that doesn't ruin your day, but maybe we've done a disservice setting that image in stone. Pardon the pun. The Greek word that we translate carpenter is more accurately construction worker. And in ancient Palestine, most construction work was done with stone. Rocks, rocks, rocks are everywhere. Maybe you know that Israel sits along the border between the African tectonic plate and the Arabian tectonic plate forming part of the Great Rift Valley, the world's most extensive geological fault. As a result, you can't go anywhere without seeing rocks. Bright white limestone in the south and darker than dirt basalt in the north. Rock, rock, rocks are everywhere. Jesus, you may know, even nicknamed his buddy, Peter, Petros, Petra, Rock. Clever and common. We usually think of Peter as the rock and immediately go to images of rock as hard and sturdy and dependable. Peter was, after all, somewhat hard-headed, big-hearted, but hard-headed. And a house built on a rock is much more secure than any house built on sand. 
where we heard that before? All that is true. And we've disabused you of enough images for today, so there's no need to challenge that. I will wonder, though, if in addition to all that's hard and reliable about rock, Jesus didn't also mean to imply its commonness as if to say, Peter, you think too much of yourself. Peter, you are to be common. Material like you is to be found everywhere. Look around. You are the common stuff out of which I will follow my heavenly Father into fashioning my people. If so, maybe we do well today to look around and within. We are the common stuff out of which Jesus would gladly work. Ping, 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 with the occasional thwack. Many of us have seen what a skilled hand can do with a hammer and chisel when applied to stone. Twice now, I've seen Michelangelo's David. Twice now, I've seen his Pieta, the image of the grieving mother holding her son's limp, dead body on her lap. And I've wept for the damage done by a terrorist who once took a hammer to the Virgin Mary, all the while weeping even more for the damage done by my own part in harming the body of Christ. And through it all, I found blessing in those who, like Michelangelo, can make a stone sing, ping, ping, ping. Is God working with even greater skill to sculpt the commonness that is you and me? Was all that what led Peter, Petra, the rock, to say near the end of his life, come to him a living stone. And like living stones, be yourself built into a spiritual house. Jesus was and is a living stone. It's an image that flies in the face of all our inherited Greek images of God as immovable, immutable, intractable, unchangeable. That's how the Greeks thought of their gods. God as unchanging. And in much of Christian history, there have been many who've adopted all those Greek notions of God wholesale and unwittingly offered them retail. It's not, however, a Hebrew way of seeing God. The God whom Scripture says repents, who changes, who is moved and is always on the move with the people of God. Wouldn't it have been much more naturally Jewish of Peter to think of his friend Jesus as someone who lived? Jesus was and is the living stone. And so he would have it be for us. We are like living stones. Common, to be sure. 
but never remaining how God now finds us. Some of you who worship with us regularly will have noted that I'm rather fond of a Missouri-born theologian by the name of Dallas Willard. He once said, many people think of Jesus as our Savior, as the one who will get us into heaven. So the question often is, have I accepted Jesus as my Savior? But we never ask the question, have I accepted Jesus as my teacher? And that's the real question. With the disciples, it began there. They began accepting Him as their teacher. And then accepting Him as their Savior. Which included, of course, their eternal destiny as a natural outflow of that. But they started with Jesus as their teacher. Because we all have to learn how to live. We are living stones. And if we're not learning, we're not living. What was the last thing you learned about Jesus? About God, about faith, about love, about life? It grieves me to have known many Christians in their 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s and beyond. And the last thing of consequence that they learned in faith was something that was set in vacation Bible school in them or in Sunday school or in youth group as a child. Their worldview, their understandings of God, their conclusions about God, even their questions about God, stunted, stagnant, immutable, like the gods of the Greek world, unchanging. Not at all like the one whom Peter called rabbi, teacher. Have you accepted Jesus as your teacher? If we're not learning, we're not living. And if we're not learning, we are not living. Ping, 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 with the occasional thwack. To be living means ever-forming, ever-growing, and even ever-correcting. The geek in me loves that a draft of the Fellowship of the Ring was rejected by Tolkien's editor, who cited the reason being that the plural for dwarfs was dwarfs with an F, not dwarves with a V, according to the Oxford English Dictionary. Dwarves with a V, as Tolkien had written it in the Fellowship of the Ring, was not a word the editor insisted that existed. Tolkien responded very accurately, I wrote the Oxford English Dictionary, don't correct me. Unless we are Tolkien, couldn't we all use a little correction? And sometimes, a lot of correction. Living stones are those who've known the chiseled blows of life, of God, 
Sometimes even the shattering blows that cause us to think and rethink our shape and purpose in the world. This is basic to us all. God is working on us and in us, constructing what? What precisely is God building? A spiritual house. We are to be a place for God's Spirit to dwell. Is there a space in your lives for God's Spirit? What might it mean to have created a space in our lives for God's Spirit, an architecture for God's Spirit? What might it mean to be a spiritual house? You may know that in some faith communities, it's not uncommon to call their place of worship an auditorium. I frankly chafe at that name. Auditorium from the words audio meaning to hear and Taurus meaning bull to hear the... I much prefer what we call our space. A sanctuary. A place where people can come to be safe. Safe, welcome, and very much wanted. Are others safe with you? Or do they find you a more scary place, a riskier place to go and with whom to dwell? We are to be a spiritual house. Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary, we sometimes sing. And to be a holy priesthood, that's the second thing. It was Martin Luther who famously picked up on that injunction from which we've developed what we now call the doctrine of the priesthood of all believers. Many longtime Methodists may not even know that what with all of our callings of clergy and clergy parading about sometimes wearing stoles, that we too hold this doctrine true. All believers are are priest. You are. You are priest. We owe it to ourselves and to each other. Or as Carlisle Marney famously put it, we are to be priest to each other. A priest at every elbow. Look around to the person nearest your elbow. They are to be your priest. You are to be theirs. Why? To offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. This is the reason for which we come together in faith. To offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Uh, there's a part of me that wants it spelled out nice and plain and wants to ask what that looks like. Just tell me what I'm supposed to do. Peter doesn't say. I suspect that's because it may look different for each of us. What a spiritual sacrifice is to me may not look like 
a spiritual sacrifice to you. A spiritual sacrifice to one member of my family whose income is literally ten times that of another member of my family may really need to look differently than does theirs. And what might it mean in any given day for us to give a portion of our lives, of our attention, of our focus, of our priorities, of our hopes, of our dreams? And could it easily look different from the day before? What's more, the risk I'm taking to be an authentic follower of Jesus may develop over the course of my discipleship. I hope it does. What spiritual sacrifices we're asked to make. Peter doesn't make clear. As much as that may frustrate the daylights out of me, and maybe that's for the best, because the work on us and in us is far from finished. And a good, a, bit, a good bit of it depends on us. Ping, 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 with the occasional whack. Christ is at work, even now, on the commonness that you and me come to Him, the living stone.